Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at hashtag Kangas or on Instagram at hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. So today I was joined by Ricky Man Jeedies. Sorry, that was just an intro to Ravishing Rick Rude theme, uh, the WWE wrestler in the 90s. So I thought, uh, yeah, I'd play the intro for uh, Ricky Mangides, uh Ravishing Ricky Mangides. So I don't know. Every time I hear the word uh, Ricky, I always want to play that uh, theme uh, music from uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, a great uh, WWE performer in the 90s. Um, anyways, I'll move on. So, yeah, look, it was uh, unusual um, to be joined uh, after a win. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh I think Ricky mentioned this that uh, you know the, the round two win against West Coast didn't really feel like a win. So it's been pretty much since last year against Carlton that uh, we won a game. So yeah, and you heard the intro that was the ending of our win against uh, Richmond. So the last uh, few seconds of that. So that was um, yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, it was good to enjoy your footy once again. Now I took my daughter, who seems to be a, a good luck charm at the moment. I've taken her to one game, and uh, yeah, she was going for Richmond, but I didn't really care. She seems like a good luck charm at the moment, and uh, we were able to get the win. So one from one for her. So hopefully I'll take her in the future, maybe against Essendon next Sunday. Hopefully we can get the win there. Won't be going to Tassie this week. Anyways, I won't hold you up anymore. I'll bring on Ricky right now. All right, so I'm joined by Ricky Mangides. Now, Ricky, we're in unusual uh, territory here. Um, I, I think this is the first time you've been on. I, well, it is the first time you've been on uh, since uh, uh, pretty much uh, yeah, reviewing a, a win, I guess. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're usually talking about 10-plus uh, goal losses and trying to find positives out of it, but uh, plenty of positives out of the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it was. Um, you almost don't know what to do with yourself after a win. It's like, hey, I get to look at cool things and fun things and exciting <laughs> things and, instead of, oh, you know, the score was eight goals, eight goals difference at halftime, and uh, you know, one player played well. I guess I'll focus on him for most of you know, the next five hundred words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's actually too many things to to cover, and I, I think I ended up writing about eighteen hundred words, and I, I still don't think I covered you know close to all of it. So it's, it, it makes for a It'd be a much more positive uh, tone compared to the last three months. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you could use eighteen hundred words to talk about Elder use game. Uh, to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, you know, like uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was still a great article uh, that you wrote on the weekend, and yeah, no, we'll we'll definitely get into that. Um, we'll go back. Uh, we'll start um, last week. The start of last week, obviously, uh, David Noble was uh, relieved of his duties, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? There's been a lot of talk that he wasn't given enough time. Um, I believe he was. Uh, how did you see it? Yeah, I think by the end it felt inevitable, didn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, I know for sort of the non-North people who, I mean, haven't watched North every week, and, and to be fair, I mean, can't blame them unless they're getting paid to watch and it's their job. I'm talking about the general public and <laughs> you just look at the you look at the the numbers and you see 38 games. Well, geez, that's not much. You want to give coach two and a half years, but the people who are watching every week and, and the people who heard the little murmurs and rumblings behind the scenes, like you know, 
the question just came down to is is Noble the person who can turn it around and, and build the relationships with the players? And and ultimately the the answer was no. And as soon as the answer was no, there's there's no point in wasting time. You know, football clubs don't wait for anyone. You don't want to waste, you know, the careers are so short, time's so precious, you can't can't waste, you know, any more weeks than, than you have to, um, especially when you know what the way forward is. So um, as unfortunate it is to see someone lose their job and, and the collateral damage that will probably come with it when the new coach gets appointed in the off season, uh, yeah, I think I think by the end, by the end, that was the only way to go. Yeah, no, I couldn't uh, sum it up any better to be honest with you. Yeah, it was, like, I was probably a little bit surprised at the timing because we probably played our best game for the year against Collingwood, and then uh, yeah, well, obviously it was decided before that. Uh, unless we won against Collingwood, they might have just extended it by another week. But it looked like the decision was made uh, well before that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know. Uh, it was too late to save him, and uh, yeah, too little, too late, I guess. But uh, yeah, we get um, we have to move on, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, we get our uh, fourth coach in fifty uh, five years. Um, what kind of coach? Oh, look, it's obviously a lot of talk about uh, we're going to get an experienced coach. Is that uh, the way you see it uh, going forward in twenty twenty three and onwards? Uh, not necessarily, to be honest. I think number one goal for whoever the new coach is in 2023, it's got to be someone who can build a strong relationship with the players. Um, the era of my way or the highway type coaches, you know, what I say goes, that's that's done. And that's not coming back for, you know, the next generation at the very least, um, if not to say even longer. So I think that's got to be the first priority. So if you look at Clarkson, is he going to be the person, obviously he's first of everyone's wish list, including mine, but my little, I guess, caveat on it is, can he build that relationship with players? Is he going to have also the strong voices around him, whether that's the head of football, uh, you know, CEO, like your head of list managers, like he needs those strong voices around him to, um, so I'm just echoing what Luke Hodge said in SEN last week to sort of pull him up, challenge him on things so it doesn't become the Clark Roche, I think is what Hodge said. Um, if if he interviews well and if, if he wants the job, of course, and, <laughs> um, and he can do all those things, then, then yeah, great. Obviously, uh, yeah, lay out the red carpet for him. Um, and it, but if not, I mean, I'd be tempted to look into there's a bunch of highly rated assistants going around. Um, then you look at and then you can surround those guys with experience. Like you look at Collingwood did with McRae, they've got Lepich, they've got a couple other just experienced assistant coaches, and it's a really good coaching team. And you can see the way he's really turned Collingwood around um, in terms of game style and, and game plan. Like Collingwood 2022 is just unrecognizable to Collingwood 2021. I think that comes from relationships you can build with the coaches and, and, the, and the really solid coaching staff he's got around him. So uh, I think they're the two options. So I think Clarko and make, making sure you can got those strong voices around him um, to challenge him and hold him to account or it's one of those uh, one of those highly rated assistants with a real strong um, with a real strong solid coaching panel across all lines. So yeah, that's that's the two options I see. Yeah, no, uh, pretty well said. So in saying that, you said uh, it's important to get someone to uh, build relationships with. How would you see Ross Lyon as one of those no. people? No? No, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's to be as much <laughs> as possible. <laughs> no, I don't think uh, I think he's a very – I mean, no, like that's not very the lead. He's obviously a successful coach. You know, what he did at St Kilda, what he did at Fremantle, very successful coach. And we shouldn't, I think, in the rush to – in my in my rush to say no <laughs> – I think we should forget about that. But I think his personality is very um, can be abrasive, not, um, you know, not not the sort of most open to, you know, the collaboration and all those sorts of things. 
don't know how well that would fit in this North Melbourne playing group experience the last few years that it has. I think you really need a strong a strong person who can relate more with the players. Like you look at what Ryan said about Stevenson after the Collingwood game, which was just yeah, just so so far off the mark. It wasn't funny. I mean, yes, he had a couple of couple of poor efforts when his when his body was cooked. You know, he got subbed out and ignoring the ignoring the, the good thing Stevenson did in the first three quarters to help the way that North are moving the ball and support running and all that unrewarded running, which opened up running lanes for for other people as well. Um, so that sort of stuff doesn't fill me with confidence. So, uh, yeah, for, for me, he would be a non-starter. I agree. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not, I've never been his biggest fan, even at his peak of his coaching, because I think his tactics are borderline. I, I think they're dirty. Um, it does a lot of things with players at 100 metres off the ball, you know, a lot of, um, you know, uh, checking uh, or shepherding or or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, you look at someone like a Ryan Crowley, who, you know, used to tag um, Brent Harvey, and he went below the belt, I I thought, you know, a lot of pinching and just, you know, tackling him 100 metres away from the ball when he wanted to move and so forth. And I just don't like the way that game goes. And like you said, uh, yeah, he's very abrasive, and he's been bagging our club pretty much all year on uh, footy classifieds, as far as I know. He just hasn't been bagging Jaden Stevenson, so I don't know how he come back from that. And I, I don't think the players would want him, so I I agree with you that that would be a no f- from me as well. I just yeah, there's something about him I just don't like, to be honest with you, and I can't get behind him. Um, I, I know a lot of people want that disciplinarian, you know the. Yeah, you know, that's got good, you know, structure and all that sort of thing. But I think it's, uh, I think that wears thin after two or three years. I think players will get a bit tired, and then you're pretty much going to go backwards from there on. I mean, I can't deny his success at St Kilda and Fremantle and got him to a grand final, but he started to fall away in his last year or two at Fremantle as well. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board with you, Ricky. So yeah, yeah look, and well, funnily enough, actually, uh, I mm-hmm. think he almost would have been if you talk, if you think back a couple of years to. Sort of when Ree Shaw took the job and the list profile there for 2020, like let's pretend there was no pandemic for a second. <laughs> um, I think Russell Lyon actually would have been a perfect coach of a list with that profile because it's very experienced um, and and it's not that sort of young talent that needs moulding. But now when you look at the team that's very young, um, it's very like a lot of it is very raw and you're going to have more coming in. Um, I think, yeah, definitely think need an arm around the shoulder type coach to to help get the best out of that. Yeah, I don't think mine is that at this time. Three years ago with that more experience list, I would have been like, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> Makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, now, not for me. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that's a pretty good point. It's, it's a list demographic at the moment. It's a very young team. And yeah, I mean, maybe you know, you know that last year when um, all our, all our players uh, got told to retire pretty much effectively. Maybe in that last couple of years there, he might have been uh, perfect for that sort of job, and he might have been able to get us to a flag like with Jared Wake, Nick Del Sano, and so forth. But now it's just a uh, it's a different time and a different list demographic. And um, yeah, maybe maybe even like uh, I think Carlton were pretty keen on him last year, as far as I know. But he had that uh, whole uh, sexual harassment uh, thing. Get, hanging over his head as well. So obviously that uh, time is, uh, yeah, uh, healed all that. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, with Clarkson, he probably, he, you know, he's got a reputation of getting good assistance in as well, um, that uh, build relationship, relationships with players. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's something we kind of need too, don't we? Some, someone that uh, will bring in the right assistance that uh, will get good relationships going with these with this young core going yeah. forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think with Kaiko, with the money, he rightfully will command. Obviously, you have a bit of a skinnier coaching group than if you have, um, you know, I use I go back to the McRae example. Obviously, for example, McRae's wage is not quite near Clarkson, so you can you can add in a couple of assistants and a couple of you know line coaches, development coaches, however you want to split it. So, I guess that's another consideration. So, yeah, thankful I don't have to make those decisions. I'll tell you that much. No, well, hopefully, uh, Sonia, who's listening to you right now, so, <laughs> yeah, she might, uh, she might uh, just put a line through Ross' line. So we'll see how we go with that. <laughs> um, we'll go to the game anyway. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the positives. Um, so, how did you see the game? Um, was there much difference from a Lee Adams to a David Noble? Uh, Game style that you've seen that was uh, quite effective. I mean, there's subtle differences, but uh, yeah, explain now uh, what you've seen. Yeah, I mean, I think if you sort of split the first 16 rounds into one bucket and then the last two rounds into another, I think the game against Richmond was more basically an extension of what we saw against Collingwood, um, except with the difference is they were able to do it for four quarters instead of, instead of three, uh, and, and then got helped by obviously Richmond deciding to forget how to kick for goal for two and a half quarters. Um, yeah, I think I thought the ball was good. I thought uh, in particular the scoring and the setups from stoppages was was excellent. Um, I touched on it uh, in the Collingwood game, how even that last in that last stoppage that led to a turnover and side bottom goal, the setup was good. Yeah. And right. it was just kind of the execution wasn't wasn't there. And uh, that setup part continued um, around the ground to to last Saturday against against the Tigers. And Richmond's I guess floor uh, they're really inconsistent with their defending from stoppages, and it's an area you can definitely get them in. And for North to take that preparation from the Con game and take it into the Richmond game and actually execute, um, I mean, as I look at the stats, it was North's season high in, in total points scored from clearances, and it was their most efficient um, of the season in terms of scoring from stoppages. So it's you, you very rarely get quantity and quality <laughs> at, at the same time. But that's what that's what North got against Richmond, and obviously it's what in the end won in the game with that with that late Zerhar goal. So I think yeah, from a team point of view, that um, that was really the part that stood out. Um, the way they just worked on setups and yeah, night and day compared to the first sixteen rounds. Yeah, I mean we got to over five goals uh, from stoppages, didn't we? Uh, yeah, so I think it was five goals three, and the league average is fifteen points, I think. So they're pretty yeah, much one the first game, half. Yeah, we ended up with fifty-two points total for the for the yeah. game out of what is it, ninety-two or whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah. ninety-one, ninety-two. Yeah, so fifty-two out of ninety-two is um, yeah, so like it's, that's not sustainable every week to score that uh, that yeah. many point of your total points from stoppages, but considering the improvement where it's come from. Um, you definitely take it, that's for sure. Yeah, do you think we played better against Collingwood? Um, obviously, you touched on a little bit, or, or or against Richmond. Did we get... Uh, I think we got a bit lucky against Richmond, obviously. Uh, we yep. touched on that, but do you think... Which game do you think we played better in, Collingwood or Richmond? Oh, we're talking four-quarter effort Richmond, but in terms of, like, the peak, um, that first three quarters against Collingwood was better. Um, but then the little, I guess, the wild card in it was that Collingwood wouldn't have prepared for what they saw from North that day, whereas Richmond had a week's notice, but um, which would have made it slightly easier for them to, you know, there's not that element of surprise. Um, but even even so, I think that the peak with that first, you know, two and a half to three quarters against Collingwood was better. That was a better performance, but running it out four quarters against Richmond, I think, I mean, I'd argue the fourth quarter against Richmond was North's best in terms of general play. If not scoreboard, um, I think it's 16 inside 50s or 17 inside 50s off the top of my head in that last quarter and, and to not go away after 
after Richmond hit the front, um, I think most of us in the crowd would have probably thought, ah, yeah, you know, yeah, they tried, but yeah, Richmond in front now, yeah, they'll probably win by a couple of kicks. And yeah, I thought I thought that was that was really promising. Yeah, we kicked uh, two goals six in the last quarter to three goals six. Um, yeah, yeah. You can, we kicked twelve goals two in the first three quarters, and then two goals six in the last quarter. But yeah, like you said, we were trying to move the ball um, and, and trying to win the game rather than probably last week we might have tried to save the game. Is that a fair reflection? A little bit, yeah. I, just, I think um, just being able to cover the ground for four quarters. You know, when when you look at the last quarter against Collingwood. Oh, they were just they were just out their feet, and because of that, they couldn't get to the spots they were getting in the first three quarters, which kind of made it look like it, it fell apart to a certain extent. But you know, with a week of week of it under their belts, they were able to to keep pushing. Um, again, assisted by Richmond being a bit flaky at times with their defence, um, which probably gave North, the North guys confidence that you know if they get to the spots, they'll get used and they'll get reward from it. But yeah, yeah, I thought it was really yeah really prompting the way they the way they ran it out. So do you think this is the way to go for the rest of the season? Uh, play this sort of brand and uh, hopefully other teams, are, the rest of the teams will kick in accurate like this as well? <laughs> we'll just ask them to kick 11-22 every week and we'll just kick, you know, we can kick 15-2 maybe instead of 14 <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the I mean, the positives, I think everyone can see straight away. Yeah. What it adds to your game, the, all the, how it makes it easier to defend. And the territory you take, the way you get the boards into the game, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, the benefits are there's so much more playing this way compared to what we saw um, in the first 16 rounds, which was um, really only a way a, a top two side can play at at best. And even even then, they would have struggled. So you're basically playing with one arm tied behind your back, the way we saw in the first 16 rounds with um with the ball with the ball use being so tentative from the back and and really focusing on on maintaining possession with short short stuff instead of taking territory and getting in behind it. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think this way this is the way to play the rest of the, for the last five weeks for sure and then and, and building on it every week, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, there's still spells where the ball did get trapped in our back, back half, but, um, yeah, it's a work in progress at the end of the day. We, you can't, you're not going to change overnight um, what's been happening in the course of uh, a big sample size of 16 rounds. So, yeah, it's still a work in progress. So hopefully we see... Uh, continual improvement in that and try and uh, play a bit more of a four-half game. And like you said, we had 17 inside 50s in the last quarter, which was um, our highs for uh, the game. Uh, we had 16 in the second quarter and, yeah, a couple of uh, low ones as well. But, um, yeah, look, uh, well, yeah, it's something to build on, I guess, from that. Um, as far as individual performers, um, I don't think we had many um, bad contributors. Um, who, who are the ones that stood out for you? I have a feeling I know who you're going to say. Uh if you can narrow it down to a few, but um, yeah, who do you think they they were? Yeah, there's a few. It's, just, it's, a, it's a nice change from previous times I've been on and be like, oh well, we had two good players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, LBU and <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, you can probably pick a dozen uh, from from Saturday. I mean, obviously Zerhar's Zerhar's the obvious one. Um, I thought I thought it was Simpkins' best game of the year uh, by a street. Uh, not that he was playing badly beforehand, but I thought uh, I think I kind of touched on it a bit in the Shinbona piece. Just the way he looked to use his footwork and, and come out of stoppages. Perhaps he was influenced by seeing LDU do the same thing, and um, there wasn't that kind, those kind of hat kicks. Well, and there was still a couple, but not as much as we've seen in, in yeah, previous that's weeks. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, I thought that was when you see the way he's, you know Simkin played that game, and you see the way LDU played again, and he's, he's probably 
he's one of the form midfielders in the comp. I think uh, LDU over the last month. Um, I don't think that's an. I think that's inarguable, to be honest. Um, and that's a really nice one-two punch. Uh, even and and you got and you know you have more more support to come from from other midfielders growing into the roles. So um, yeah, and then aside from there, you, you obviously got Curtis play well, Stevenson play well, Bailey Scott play well. Yeah, you could probably go for another half an hour on, <laughs> on analyzing <laughs> all these ones. Actually, the, the one that um, actually the little stat that stood out to me, which I actually just found this morning looking through them, was um, actually Coleman Jones's game time, which I thought was interesting. He had 87% game time, and he hasn't he hadn't played more than 73 in any of any of his other games for North this year, AFL level. It's I, that's normally not a it's it's a, it's not a funny coincidence that it's happened. I think in in Lee Adams's first game, obviously Patch would have coached him in the VFL seeing what he's capable of and, and wanted to give him a bit more responsibility. So I thought that was really interesting, whether it was just a one-game thing and maybe got caught in rotations or or the aim is to give him a bit more of a bit more responsibility. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Should and I think it's probably his best game for North as well. Small sample size, but you know, it's a got a bit of the ball. Um maybe maybe it was that motivation of playing against the old team. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'll, I'll go through stats now. Eighteen touches, um, disposal efficiency sixty percent. Needs that a bit higher. That'll be nice. Uh, Ten contested, seven uncontested, uh, four clearances, five tackles, um, five score involvements as well. Yeah, so that yeah, by far his best game, and he worked pretty well with um, Todd Goldstein. I probably should have uh, rewarded himself at the end of the game with a goal, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I thought that was going to actually cost us, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, oh, easily his best performance. There's something to build on for him, for him in it now because he's got the the role for the rest of the year. So it's yeah, he'll get continuity now, and that'll only help him, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, you hope he stays fit and plays it plays the next five games, and, and it can be his longest sort of stint at AFL level. You know, since he um since he debuted back at Richmond, I think I was I mean, just looking through his game by game splits. I think the longest he's played is played five in a row for Richmond. Uh, sort of at the midpoint of at the midpoint of last year. So if he if he plays these last five, um, that makes that makes seven in a row. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, fingers crossed, and yeah, a bit of development, and yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, in saying that, uh, we'll go through to Todd Goldstein. Uh, not only did he set up uh, Cameron Zerhar's uh, you know, goal in, which is um, a thing of beauty. Uh, especially at that point of the game. But, um, yeah, he's been very influential. He's, he's taken over the number one mental, uh, ruck mental spot um, as opposed to early in the year where we try to uh, try him as a, a forward that turn, that goes into the ruck. But, uh, yeah, he's very influential. And I suppose a lot of talk is, um, do you think he gets another year? I think he'll it's definitely get another year. Uh, yeah, I think he'll definitely get another year. Whether I guess the big question is whether that's at North. I think he's like you know, barring any late season injury, he's, he's definitely got another year in him, without a shadow of doubt, from the way I see it. Um, yeah. I mean, sen- sentimentally, I'd love to have him play his three hundred at three hundredth at North and, and run out in the blue and white for that. It's just, it's just, yeah, I just it all just depends on the new coach, really. Um, if I mean, if it's up to me, I'd probably throw all the logic out the door and go, here you go, here's one with the trigger for a second, <laughs> which is yeah. why I'm not a list manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it's 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 a tricky one. I mean, 
We've got uh, Tristan Sherry, who we just re-signed to a three-year deal. Uh, Callum Collins-Jones um, getting you know, half a million dollars on, on a long-term deal. Uh, we're recruiting him from Richmond. So, and, you know, obviously, you know, we trialled all three in the same in the same team and that didn't work. So it makes it a bit uh, tricky in that. Do you, like, if we do get him for another year, do you see a, a regressed role for him next year that they'll try and maybe, like, uh, give him more rest games, like once a month or something like that? and or do you still see him as an important part uh, going into next year as well? I suppose um, it's up to the coach. As, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think hypothetically, if he does stay at North in 2023, you, we, you can't turn him into a four. We know, we all know what Goldie is. He's a, he's a ruckman. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a first ruck. So I think it's one of those things where, depending on what the new coach and the new coaching staff want to achieve and their goals and whatnot. I think it's either you play first ruck or you, or you don't play. And to me, depending on what happens over the preseason, is I mean, he, he's still the best ruckman at North, and he's still probably a top. He's still a top half ruckman in the competition. So I mean, the way you look at it, if he stays in twenty twenty three, is I think he starts as not as another one ruckman on, on the depth chart. So, and then you go from there, depending on how his body holds up over a year and and. The progression of others. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'll ask you uh, a question now. Uh, who's better, Todd Goldstein or Rose Stanley? Oh, Goldstein, no question. Yeah, because I asked Mark McGowan that question about uh, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, and he reckons uh, Rose Stanley's a better player, and uh, he wouldn't. Yeah, Todd Goldstein wouldn't get a game at uh, Geelong. Not not to have a go at uh, Mark McGowan, but uh, you know, I, I didn't dispute it or anything like that. But I, I still I still think he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a better option. And if you want to get a premiership. Um, you know, he's, he's a perfect age breaker for Geelong. So, you know, if he, if he wants to go there, then, uh, yeah, that might be an option for him. He's, if, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, he, he'll talk to his manager and uh, discuss what he wants to do going forward. But uh, I've got no doubt we'll, we'll offer him a deal uh, next year, whether he wants to stay. I think he does. Uh, from yeah. based on an interview, he said yesterday that he wants to be one uh, club player and play 300 games for the club. So, yeah, we'll... Um, We'll wait and see on that anyway. Um, we'll just go. Think, sorry, to, yeah, go on. To, um, to go back to that gold thing, Stan, I think Stanley thing, I think at this stage of their respective careers, I think Stanley is capable of a higher high than what Goldie is. But also there'll be weeks out there where, where Stanley's there and you might as well play with 21. So Yeah, yeah true. And whereas with Goldie, he's very consistent with what he brings every week. Um, is, is, is he going to be the... You know, one of the one of the best players in the competition, like he was in so that that twenty fifteen ish time period, uh, where he was, oh, in my eyes, the best ruckman in the league, and 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 polling Brownlow votes regularly. No, but he's going to give you a consistent level. Whereas Stanley, he's going to give you a, a, he has the potential to give you a, a few more highs than Goldie, but he will give you other weeks where he's much lower. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's probably pretty uh pretty good way of putting it. I think um yeah, Reece Stanley's the type of player that yeah. He could go missing in a final, an important final as well. So yeah, you know, okay. yeah, no, I, yeah, but yeah, and I think it's about consistency, especially when it comes to finals, where Geelong will be next year. You'd have to think as well that uh, yeah, he'd probably want someone a bit more solid. But whether Geelong go for him, I'm not too sure, or any other club go for him, I'm not too sure because he is 34 years old. So yeah, we'll um, yeah, we'll wait and see how that all, all pans out. Um, we'll discuss uh, negatives. Uh, did you see any negatives in the game? Um, only through the lens of sort of the natural growing pains that come with playing something that's so drastically different to what we saw in the first 16 rounds. 
you know, things like trapping the ball in the forward half and, and just general movement patterns that aren't second nature because all of a sudden it's gone from sort of defensive hold on to the hold on to the ball conservative to but hey let's go move <laughs> and it, it's such a such such a drastic sort of whiplash that yeah there's going to be there's going to be times where it's like oh well, that was that wasn't <laughs> that looked terrible um but it's not sort of alarm bells it's just it's just what you naturally get so um it's a bit it's a bit different analyzing the game you know looking at it through that lens compared to you know when what we saw up until the Collingwood game where it was yeah real real conservative and and any mistakes got punished with a goal so yeah I don't think I don't think there's anything sort of massively drastic to worry about from a negative point of view they're all they're all things that come naturally with the territory and hopefully you see less and less of them over the over the next five weeks yeah 100 percent I mean I guess uh, I'll touch on this earlier. The probably only criticism is, yeah, we did have spells where the ball did get trapped in our back half. I mean, first quarter, inside 50s, 7 to 16, and third quarter, 6 to 19. I think Richmond kicked five goals, four, four in the third quarter. We kicked two goals straight. So efficient uh, as far as going forward. But, um, yeah, just um, I mean, like, like we've stated, that uh, that's going to happen. You know, old habits die hard. So you're going to have uh, little spells like that. So it can't be a quick fix. But we did... Um, Managed to push on from there and 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 you know uh, win the game in the last quarter where it was uh you know where, where it was there to be won so that was the most important thing so yeah that's uh that's all all you can do really um we'll talk about Cameron Zura obviously the match winner uh, pretty efficient uh, first half I tweeted he had five touches five kicks five goals um how important is his signature uh, going forward uh, particularly after a game like that where he effectively won a game like I said yeah. I mean, I don't think it's any. I don't think that game made it any more or less important because it was still of vital importance anyway. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. Fords with with his skill set in terms of his sort of mid size, but he can mark and he can play small. It's so important to a team and and the flexibility and the way they can set up. They can change it up depending on opposition defenses and and force them to sort of scramble and change matchups. So, um, yeah, for me, he's. Yeah, still of vital importance. And I know I've said it, I think I've said it a couple of times on, on Twitter during the year. Like he's so, so perfect for what Fremantle need and, and their forward setup and and what they're trying to do. I'd be staggered if they didn't make a huge play at him. Um and obviously the ma- the manager knows that. You know, based off, you know, they're just putting contact contract talks off and I'd imagine Cam will finish the year off strongly and maybe add another zero to the contract. <laughs> yeah, I think last last set they would have added a couple. <laughs> exactly, um, but yeah, yeah, vital, vital importance, and and yeah, it's it's up to the up to the club in in sort of demonstrating to him that hey, look, this environment's a good one to be around. We value you. Yeah, you're going to be a huge part of of what's to come, and make him feel loved enough that he that he wants to stay. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Judging from uh... An article um, that was written, in, uh, quoted him in a paper. He, he did talk like he, he's going to stay at the club um, for years to come. I'm not too sure if they're uh, working on a contract now or anything like that. But he, yeah, they also did say say that he was going to wait till the end of the season. Uh, is it a case of Freeman or waiting on Luke Jackson? That that's why they're sort of uh, not really. There's no real offers as of yet to Cameron Zerha. Potentially, yeah. It's it's hard to know. And it's hard to know for sure. I mean, you look at we by all reports, it seems that Lob is on the way out. So if you sort of 
sort of do the maths, it seems like Jackson goes back, it'll be Jackson for lob. And, but then if Jackson decides he doesn't, that probably changes things. Um, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a, he's a waiting game and Jackson's kind of that domino that, that causes it, everything else to fall into place. Yeah, I think I think the longer uh, Luke Jackson doesn't sign, the better it is uh, for Cam- for us and Cameron Zerha, to be honest with you. So yeah, um, so it would have been nice. I, I seen uh, he, he talk. He, he was talking to uh, Sonia Hood after the game. She probably she, it would have been a good time for her to just uh, get the contract out then and sign, get him to sign. So it was with him being in such a good mood. So yeah, but uh, yeah, a rookie mistake, I guess. So yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. I mean, I, I think he'll finish the season quite strong. He seems to start off slow. The last couple of seasons, he seems to start off slow. He doesn't seem to get going until about round five or six, and then he just explodes for the rest of the year, I've noticed. He starts kicking two, three goal, bad goals uh, every week. Do, do you see that as well? Yeah, I think, yeah, first quite in the first three games. Or sorry, four, yeah, I think I got subbed out in round four, didn't he, against Sydney, if my memory's correct. Um, and That's then, right. And then, yeah, and then he came back and it's been sort of all systems go, yeah, through there. Yeah, so including the Sydney game, he kicked one in the first, one goal in the first four games. I haven't got score involvements in front of me. And then he's kicked, and he's hit 24 in his next 10. Um, with a, yeah, he's kicked 24, 14 in his next 10. So what's that? It's nearly four scoring shots a game. So um, with a bunch of score involvements added onto that as well. So yeah, 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 could be honest. I think maybe it's a, maybe it's a preseason thing and, and preparation and the new coach can sort of, Get him pushing towards that forty-five to fifty goal mark for a year. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I remember that game against Sydney. I think Aiden Bonner was the super sub back then, and he was coming on for players like that. He was either doing that or playing a role like on Harry McCoy, Charlie Kerno. So, yeah, it's good to uh, good to see Aiden Bonner sort of uh, forming the role in the back line at the moment, just playing on uh, players that uh, he's not outmatched in or out of position in. Exactly. Yeah, he's got to hope he stays fit. He's, he's definitely he's got all the physical attributes to be a really nice tweener defender. So. Yeah, just fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything crossed that he can stay on the path. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you're found it, but I, I found that we've had a lot of soft tissue injuries this season, and Aiden Bond has been one of them, Aaron Hall's another. Uh, have you found that as well? Yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, I think with Bonner, it's happened, you know, dating back um, even pre his North days. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, for, yeah, for, he, for him, yeah, so, sometimes it's just. Um, they're always at that higher risk and I'll pretend <laughs> that I know what causes that or or what influences that. But yeah, I think with with Bonner, it's just a matter of staying on top of it and hoping that and hoping that you can put an extended uh, extended run of games together and, and a new contract or two. Yeah, yeah. I think he's is he contracted till twenty twenty three? I'm not too sure if you got it in front of you or anything like that. I think he's contracted for right. no, I, I can get it in front of me. This is a riveting podcast as I no, I'll be with you. The Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, according to my spreadsheet, he's contracted to the end of next year. Yeah, well, there you go. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, hopefully he can, if he strings together, you know, 20-odd games out of the next 27. Um, yeah, that, that should should give him a, a sort of a mid-term contract as well. So just, yeah, I just think he really fits because he, he has that closing speed and he does have it, does have a strength. So you can, you can play on those tweener forwards quite well if he has the support obviously from further up the field which is you know like most defenders but um yeah just gotta hope he stays fit 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he's got a yeah very good closing speed. He's, he's able to get a fist on uh, leading players, you know, and he's yeah he's got that closing down speed. Um, yeah, no, I think if if he gets continuity, he'll be a very good defender for us, like that third or fourth uh, defender, and yeah, playing on those hybrid forwards. So yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we can get uh, him going for the you know, rest of the season, have a good preseason, and yeah, it will be uh, important part for us going forward, and you know, for a bargain basement buy as well. Um, what's been lost in all this, I've found, is the Jeff Walsh review. Um, obviously, after you know uh, the, the sacking of a coach, um, a better performance over the weekend, a win, I guess, after 14 weeks. Um, do you expect to see much to come out of it now? Oh, there'll be definitely. I'd be stunned if there wasn't a lot to come out of it. But I think what's happened over the last week has probably bought the club time to sort of do it at their own pace and and really get right into the nitty gritty of what needs to be done, opinions on things. You know, sort of the the most the, the areas are sort of flashing alarms and and the things that are a little bit less of a priority. So uh, there'll be. There'll be plenty to come out of it, but I think now that now it's it, it'll probably take another couple of weeks to get there, which is, which is good because it means nothing gets rushed and it means by the end of it, you know exactly what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think he's got another week left or so, hasn't he? Like, I think it's might have been uh, end of July. Is that right? That rings a bell. Yeah, so yeah, another week or two. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how we go. Uh, in saying that, um, there's there's a lot of talk about. Um, uh, Oh, I think Sam Edmund reported that uh, that John Blakey was a bit uh, disappointed that he wasn't offered uh, the senior role. Uh, were you surprised that uh, they gave it to Patch Adams? Uh, initially, I was because it just you just you know, your natural sort of reaction is okay, senior assistant gets it, and and on on you go. Yeah, uh, and then and then I then I thought about some more, and I realised that well, Blakey's been on record a bunch of times saying he doesn't want to be a senior coach he prefers to be an assistant and then with patch coaching in the vfl basically just transports that role to the afl side and all the line coaches get to stay in their individual roles i mean by the sounds of it i think it was more it would have been kind of like oh it would have been nice to tell me it was happening rather than oh i really wanted to do that it's just just a bit of a communication thing so which isn't ideal but but yeah i don't think it's a i don't think it's a huge deal from the, the way i'm interpreting it anyway do you expect to see John Blakey at the club next season in saying all that? I mean, because usually, uh, like, let's say we've got Clarkson, uh, hypothetical, they usually bring in their own assistants. Um, you're, like, I guess you're, you know, um, in hindsight, do you think you'll be there next year? That's a very good question. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, no, I'm not for sure either. Yeah, because I mean, I think with someone with his experience and his knowledge, He'd want to be a senior assistant, I would imagine. I go, I'm putting two and two together. I could be wrong, and but a new coach almost always picks their own their own person as a senior assistant. So that's that kind of. But then again, maybe the new coach looks at like and goes, "Okay, I want him," and then it's and that's fine. Yeah. So I think it really depends on. I feel like if you had say Clarko, I think he'd bring in his own person, and and Blakey won't be there. You have. A more one of those highly rated assistant coaches from around the league, then I think you got more of a chance of Blakey being that senior man. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it just depends on, on who is the head coach next year. Yeah, maybe Anna Muzo might want a senior assistant like that. Um, yeah, he, he seems to be the, the the third option at the moment. Um, it's media. So, yeah, if, if he got him, uh, let's say Clarkson doesn't want to do it, 
Um, we've written off uh, Ross Lyon, so he's not going to get it. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, because, yeah, I think Sonia who listens to us. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if he if he got it, then yeah, he might be you know, he might be a chance. I'm not too sure. So yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll uh, definitely see how we go. But he, I mean, he's he's, he's going to be have a job somewhere else. Like he's not going to, you know, he's oh, very yeah. So I don't think there's any question about that. Um, we'll finish. Um, obviously, going forward, do you see? Do you expect to see any personnel changes come uh, this week against? Uh, Hawthorne, um, I think we've got uh, Aaron Hall, Taron Thomas uh, might be back this week as well. There's not one, I, I, I mean, there's not many people really drop, is there? So, out of a performance like that. So, they'll, they'll be pressed to get a game this week, wouldn't they? It's a shame there's a VFL by this week. So. Yeah, that's my <laughs> thing. Yeah, I know. No, I so, Thomas has missed three weeks. Um, it would have been nice to sort of ease him back in back in through the VFL. He's missed all three weeks and like, was it, yeah, four of the last five maybe or something like that. Um, yes. With a buy thrown in there as well. So it's basically no game for five out of six weeks if my, if my math is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but then again, yeah, so I, mean, I, I don't know if they'd be willing to bring Thomas in straight away and obviously you have to make sure that you're giving him the right support after obviously he had, <clears throat> had the family issues and he's had, had been at a funeral. So that sort of stuff is a million times more important making sure he's he's in the right space play I, I think Hall I think Hall you, you just he just comes in regardless like the way the North have played the last two weeks is just so perfectly made for the way he he plays um especially off half back yeah I mean we obviously we all thought Stevenson's game was good off half back Hall would have played you know twice that game not literally in terms of disposals he wouldn't have had 45 kicks but um so now I think he just moved move Stevenson up up the ground a bit or potentially or potentially you have Stevenson as a second half back and you move maybe Lukey up to McDonald up to a wing or, or something like that. So I think you find a way to you absolutely hundred percent find a way to put Hall in. Um and then with Thomas, yeah, it just depends on on the spaces and yeah. Who you Yeah, maybe someone Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean maybe someone like a Flynn Perez might be the stiff one that uh, goes yeah just based on you know, matchups, I suppose, and you know, for a like like for like replacement, maybe that yeah. might be it. But um, yeah, he'd be very maybe. stiff to get dropped. Yeah, and that's and that's a good part. Yeah, when you obviously this the way they're playing the last two weeks, it plays to a lot of the players' strengths, and all of a sudden you go, oh, actually, I'd like him to stay in the team as opposed to I'd like someone else to come in the team, <laughs> whoever that may be. So um, yeah, it's a nice discussion point to have when you when you got players that are ready to come back in and that can make the team better. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I mean, it was two months. Well, I think it was only a couple months ago. We we're, we were trying to just figure out a twenty-two. Uh, we had no. Yeah. I spoke to you. Um, might have been. <laughs> we sort of said uh, the twenty-two picked itself at one stage, didn't it? Yeah, and I was made. There's probably only about twenty sort of six available players who were AFL ready. You know? <laughs> so it's just, yeah, well, yeah, that was probably being generous. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was. It was um yeah really. You didn't have to probably didn't have to spend too much time on a selection because you just put the available names up there and walk straight back out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they had the magnets already set and from uh, you know, the game after they finished. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a good problem I have at the moment. But uh, we've got uh, a bit of competition and uh, some personnel to come back in the next uh, few weeks as well. Uh, I'll I'll just mention one more name. Um, where do you see Josh Walker? Uh, I think he's out of contract in the season. 
you got Callum Dawson coming through the reserves. Uh, looks like he's gone out of favour. He's not in an emergency at the moment. Callum Dawson was an emergency. Do you see him on the list possibly next year? I, I do as a backup, depending on what other kind of state league key defender backup rookie draft type players that are available in the off season. So I um and I think I think Walker knows his role and knows where he's at and, and what he offers. I do see him as a backup, yeah. Um unless they unless they end up drafting, you know, another two key defenders and finding another one from, you know, the waffle somewhere or something. Um if that happens then I think he's in trouble. But I think at the moment as it stands, I think I think he's on the list as a backup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean in the draft coming this year, I, I believe there's a couple of key defenders up top. So hopefully, um, you know, with the priority pick we we, we deserve, then uh, we might be able to get one. So that might put his, uh, yeah, his future in a bit of doubt, but uh, I'm not too sure. But, yeah, if, if we've got no other option, then, yeah, you probably get another year. And I think you've even mentioned this, that uh, he's pretty much a placeholder at the moment, isn't he, until someone comes along that's better, and it looks like that's what's happened. Yeah, um, and judge, uh, judging from the outer, it looks like he's a well-liked what well, like uh, member of the group, and and so he'll be able to sort of keep the vibes up, and and I would, I would imagine he's sort of looking at his post AFL career already. So it's a good way to, if he wants to stay in footy, he basically ends up being kind of like a playing VFL coach or you know playing VFL line coach, and pops in to the AFL from time to time when there's injuries and, and all that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I mean I'd like to see him around for another year as backup. So I, you know, it's, it's not like he's going to break the salary cap or anything like that. So. Oh, you wouldn't think so. I don't think he's going to demand half mean a year or anything. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think his year has been any worse than like an eight court in saying that. So you know, I think he's uh, had some good games. He kept uh, Ben Brown goalless uh, a few weeks ago now, and you know, so yeah, he's been okay. Um, but uh, yeah, sometimes uh, that's just the way it goes. Uh, there's, there's better options in here, and um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Anyways, Ricky, um, give your shimbone.com a plug, and um, yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah, theshimboner.com. Got a few things coming up. Um, I'll keep them to myself. But, uh, yeah, yeah, have to tune in to see what they are. But, uh, yeah, so shimboner.com, patreon.com slash shimboner if you want to fling me a few bucks a month for extra access, getting towards finals time, which is nice. So the finals uh, finals dossiers are going to make a comeback after they had to be parked last year because of the Olympics. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully the top four actually separates itself so I... I actually have four clear teams to write about instead of waiting until round 23 and there's sort of six or seven teams in the uh, in the running for top four. So that's coming up soon. Um, on Twitter, RickM8, um, where you can find me railing on how people are using expected scoring correctly. <laughs> yeah, no, good plug. Uh, that's much better. You're getting a bit better with these plugs now, Ricky. Uh, yeah, it was like... Uh, yeah, a few weeks ago you were saying, oh, if you want to join, just join, but uh, don't stress or anything like that. Now you're sort of plugging it a bit better, isn't it? And I think uh, even Teflon Snake, uh, it's hard to get praise from him on Twitter, and even he gave you uh, sort of sort of said, uh, definitely get behind uh, Ricky's work. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's really nothing, you know, like it's uh, ten bucks a month, which is nothing really, and you support money your own. And these are factual based articles, not listening to Kane Corns and. Matthew Lord and Caroline Wilson ramble on about uh, how shit you are without any facts. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so definitely get behind it. And, um, yeah, I'm sure I'll chat to you soon, Ricky, and uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
So thanks to Ricky for coming on the show once again. Um, yeah, like I said at the start, uh, it was good to uh, review a winning performance. I mean, whether you can say uh, Richmond lost the game, I think the expected score was uh, 74 to 105. Uh, so Richmond were expected to win uh, quite comfortably. But uh, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll take any win we can get. So, you know, uh, it was good to get that, um, get that winning feeling. And uh, we're on a winning streak for a change. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, that's it for this episode. I will be back uh, probably on Thursday. Uh, we'll do you know a bit of a preview of our game against Hawthorne. Uh, talk about uh, team selections. Um, you know, maybe a bit more about last weekend. Um, I'm sure there's going to be news over the coming days, the next uh, few days. So, yeah, there's always something to discuss uh, with the North Melbourne Football Club. Well, I, I did an episode last Monday, I think it was. Um, uh, talking to Mark Hello about our uh, performance against Collingwood, and then uh, the Tuesday, uh, David Noble's sack. So there's always going to be news, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get to that uh, later in the week. Uh, appreciate all the likes, um, all the retweets, comments uh, you guys put in for the show. Um, it uh, definitely helps out the show. It goes out to more listeners. Um, I think I've got a fair few followers now. Uh, it's in the thousands at the moment. So yeah, no, and that's all. Uh, thanks to you guys, uh, particularly Patrick Allwood, who retweets every show. Um, yeah, everyone's uh, getting behind it, uh, which is good to hear. You know, I've mentioned uh, Teflon Snake um, uh, and a number of others too. So, yeah, no, I really appreciate uh, all the good things you you guys do to help out the show. Um, that's it uh, for today. Like I said, um, I will be back later in a week. And today I will leave a shout-out to Lee Colbert. Bye for now.